you been watching developments in this trial that's going on in Montreal against a 35-year-old Canadian neo-Nazi who's been charged for willfully inciting hatred against Jews? Well, you should pay attention because the man's trial is now into its closing arguments. If he's convicted, he could face two years in prison. But what happened in the courtroom last week is so worrisome to the Jewish community, including Sija and B'nai B'rith, because the judge and the lawyers are literally arguing over whether Nazis ever really wanted to kill six million Jews. And they're arguing over the fact that the Holocaust happened because of Nazi ideology. The defense lawyer even said she was taught in school that Nazis only exterminated the Jews with gas because it was cheaper than housing them in camps. And then the judge told her to stop talking because she'd gone too far. But according to our reporter in Montreal, Janice Arnold, the judge also admonished the prosecutor for not bringing in experts to prove there was a link between Nazis and the Holocaust. And so we don't want to see um, Mr. Chaput's lawyer suggesting to an historian that it didn't happen. And as in the Zundel case, that somehow that there were Olympic-sized swimming pools um, in, in these concentration camps. That it just it, it is, it, I, I can't even express myself as articulate as I may be at times. I'm, I'm lost for words to, to, to express how devastating I think it would be for the Jewish community. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, July the 13th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. The defense lawyer's comments came late last week, when Hélène Poussard made her closing arguments on behalf of her client, Gabrielle Soyer-Chaput. She'd already said his writings were meant as satire, even though the article had smiling Nazis opening the door to a gas chamber. Then the judge said, it's pretty racist, but is being racist a crime? This all sounds a lot like the true story portrayed in the 2016 film Denial, which showed how a British Holocaust denier, David Irving, sued the U.S.'s Holocaust czar, Deborah Lipstadt, and then her lawyer had to bring experts to show how the actual death camp operated to prove that the Holocaust happened. And that's raised alarm bells in the Jewish community now because Sija says it just proves Quebec needs to make Holocaust education mandatory in schools. B'nai B'rith says judges need to go to school too and learn about the Holocaust, especially because there's already a precedent dating back to the trial in the 80s of Ernst Zundel when an Ontario court ruled that the Holocaust is true and isn't up for debate. So coming up, we'll hear from Sam Goldstein, the Director of Legal Affairs for B'nai B'rith, about what is at stake here. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Rick Karp in Whitehorse, Yukon. And this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Three Canadians were inducted into the International Jewish Sports Hall of Fame on Tuesday during a live ceremony in Israel. It was part of the Maccabee Games, which officially opened also yesterday. The Hall of Fame gave out Lifetime Achievement Awards to Montrealer Roy Salomon, who's known as Mr. Maccabi Canada, and also to former Montrealer Sylvan Adams, who now lives in Israel where he promotes Israel through sports, especially cycling, but also the Eurovision and other big events, including having Argentina play Uruguay in an exhibition game in Israel. They also honored a third Canadian, the late Ben Hatskin. He played for the Blue Bombers in Winnipeg, and then he founded the Winnipeg Jets and the World Hockey Association, or the WHA. He even brought hockey great Bobby Hall on board to play. <laughs> 
And B'nai B'ris Legal Affairs Director Sam Goldstein joins me now from his office in Toronto. Uh, can you sort of give our listeners a bit of a, a backstory on, on who's been charged and what the, the, the trial uh, is for? And, and then we'll go from there about the ramifications. Right. So um, some time ago, B'nai Brith uh, alerted the Crown Attorney in Quebec to the fact that there was this uh, uh, magazine um, publishing from the States, but in, in Canada. And there was a Canadian, Mr. Soher Chaput, I'll just refer to him as Mr. Chaput, uh, writing in this magazine. And he wrote a specific article. And amongst the many things he wrote in this article that that is is the uh, the substance of the of the trial was things such as the nature that 2017 was going to be the year of Nazism, uh, etc. Et uh, things of that nature, and uh, there were um, you know graphics all around that article. There was this sort of cartoon monster with little swastikas in his eyes. Um, we alerted the, as I say, the authorities in Quebec. Mr. Chaput was charged with Section 319, which is incitement of hatred. And uh, hence, uh, to bring you up to date, the trial is happening as we speak. Now, under Section 319, that wasn't specifically about um, Jews or anti-Semitism or the Holocaust at that time. That's something that's just happened in the last couple of weeks when uh, the federal uh, budget was passed, which now outlaws Holocaust denial or promotion or denigration of, of the Holocaust. So I, I just want to make sure, can you speak to uh, how that may or may not impact the trial now that that's in force? Or is that because it's older charge, it's not going to be applied? Do you know? Well, I think you're referring to Bill 19. If it has been passed, then yes. you're more aware of it than, than, than I am. I, I must apologize then. But uh... it was kind of done quietly when the House was leaving June 23rd, but it is now in force. It was in our story. Okay. So that for Bill 19, it it, it made um, unlawful. Um, the Holocaust um, denial and denigration. We'll have to see what the denigration aspect means. But, but uh, now I spoke to that issue in the Senate committee, and, and in fact, this ties nicely into the trial now. One of the concerns I expressed at that time is one of the defenses to the new legislation would be the fa- would be one of truth, and so one could argue that the Holocaust did happen. And this brings us to what's happening. Um, Today, as I said back in uh, in the Senate committee, my concern was is that look during the Zundel cases, the second Zundel case, as your your listeners and viewers may remember, uh, Zundel was a hate propagator in Canada. Uh, he was publishing pamphlets that the Holocaust didn't happen. He was charged underneath the old, um, which no longer exists, the um, the uh, uh, um, false news section of the criminal code. The whole affair traumatized the Jewish community because it turned the whole trial became one of whether the Holocaust exists or not. The Holocaust itself was put on trial. And uh, the second retrial, because there was an appeal, the second retrial of Zundel, the court took judicial notice that the Holocaust was a historical fact. And we didn't have that retrial of the Holocaust. Unfortunately, in what happened with the case with Mr. Chaput, it seemed to be that the judge in that case was acting as if there has been no judicial recognition in Canada that the Holocaust existed. And what I understand, I've read in the newspapers, and we have a B'nai person on the ground who's monitoring this trial. My information from all those sources is that the judge has now said to the Crown Attorney, 
um, you're making and you're making an allegation that it hasn't been proven. What happened in the actual court proceedings that alarmed B'nai B'rith and other community members so much? So what's al- what what is alarming is the fact that the judge um, had said to the crown attorney that he that the crown attorney is making the assumption that when uh, Mr. Chaput wrote things of the nature of 2017 will be a year of Nazism that he's meaning he's referring to the Holocaust and there is no evidence uh, put before the court about what happened during the Holocaust and that is an alarming concept or an alarming comment I should say because we all know he's putting essentially putting the Holocaust back on trial as if the second Zundel case in which the court made judicial notice that the Holocaust is an historical fact and that is quite concerning because we don't want to see that uh, we don't want to see courts putting the Holocaust back on trial as if it never happened. And you remember back in the Zundel case, which was so concerning, is that Christie was suggesting, it was a defense lawyer for Mr. Zundel, was suggesting that, you know, there's Olympic-sized swimming pools and concentration camps. That's how bizarre and ridiculous it is. But, but uh, concerning to us, again, is the fact that this judge seemed to be suggesting that we go back in time as if we don't know that the Holocaust is an historical fact. You know, if that's the state of judges in these days, if that's their knowledge and that's the state of the law, then I think that we have to start teaching judges about the Holocaust. The federal government in the past has um, suggested that, um, you know, sexual assault courses be given to judges. Um, And I think this is a time now that clearly this case indicates that there's a gap in judicial knowledge about about history. And so the federal government should start suggesting that judges take courses and you know about about the holocaust and start we should be teaching about the international holocaust remembrance alliance definition of anti-semitism um i think that's what we need to be doing going forward so we don't have the situation repeating what is benabrith doing are you going to intervene are you uh, offering to teach the judge something i mean tell me what the steps if you know what benabrith is doing besides just speaking out publicly yeah, well, uh, speaking of public is is important, uh, very much so, and certainly we're doing that, one. Two, as I said, we're monitoring. Um, I don't want to get too much at this point in what we may do in the future, but uh, certainly if if the Crown Attorney is listening, uh, I suggest he go to cases, not just simply the Zundel, second Zundel case, but even in Toronto recently, we ha- or two, three years ago, we had the uh, Your Ward News case, uh, in that case, um, the crown. And in that case, the judge took a contextual approach, looked at everything that the person had said, uh, looked at the context of which it was being said, and didn't need to find that um, that the Holocaust had occurred at all to find, to convict um, the, uh, Mr. Sears and, Saint, and Mr. Saint Germain in in the Your Ward case. So um, you you don't always have to produce uh, produce experts. Uh, in these in these cases, common sense in looking at the words, looking at the context, I think we could infer the incitement of hatred. And certainly, um, the statement it's going to be in 2017 is going to be a uh, is going to be Nazism all year. What else does that person can possibly be meaning, other than we know what the Nazis did to the Jews in the Second World War? What is the importance? What's at stake with this case? With this um this man in, in Quebec who has written these articles. Yeah, well, well, what's at stake is is certainly 
um, moving backwards in time in terms of the jurisprudence that's already been established. We don't want to see other cases, uh, hate uh, prosecution cases, having to produce experts to say the Holocaust happened. We don't want to see a return to the Holocaust being put on trial. So that's the most important um, item that's at stake. Uh, the second thing is at stake is we want to see people who commit these crimes, you know, prosecuted and found guilty if duly found guilty, right, and punished for, for, for uh, committing these crimes. And we don't want to see Mr. Chiput let off the hook because of a mistake that a judge has made. Certainly I know as a lawyer myself there's always an appellate process, but we don't want to have to see this go to appeal and have to be dragged out. I mean, the thing from a non-legal point of view, but as an observer, is you don't want they to have a platform to then debate the Holocaust and put stuff that it didn't happen in the public record, in testimony that goes through um, transcripts and, and then gets published in the media, whether it did or not, because that gives them more fuel, right? The people who are the Holocaust deniers in the first place, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've always said that, uh, you know, there's two types of anti-Semitism. There's anti-Semitism on the ethno-nationalist right, as we say, and this is clearly an example of it. And there's also the anti-Semitism on the progressive universalist left. Uh, you know, one of my favorite authors, I'm sure you've heard of her, Dora Horn, wrote a great book, uh, People Love Dead Jews, in which she talks about the anti-Semitism of Purim and the anti-Semitism of Hanukkah. Um, I think both are equally of concern to Jews, this is an example of the anti-Semitism of porn that needs to be addressed. I did reach out to the Quebec Judicial Council to find out whether their 350 judges receive any training about the Holocaust. A spokesperson said they didn't feel it was right to comment because the case is before the courts, but they did send me a six-page document showing that all judges have to take 10 days of professional development every year, although it doesn't say specifically whether that includes Holocaust education. We'll be watching. The next step is set to resume August 29th, at which time the judge and the lawyers will decide whether the Holocaust is an established fact that can't be doubted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Ezra Miller of Ottawa and his mother, Ruth, who we discovered is probably actually the oldest woman ever to have a bat mitzvah in Canada as an adult. Ruth Miller had hers six years ago when she was 90 in Temple Emmanuel in Montreal, and she's now about to turn 96. And we'll end our episode with a little bit of Sylvan Adams' thank you speech from yesterday's International Jewish Sports Hall of Fame ceremony in Israel when he received his Lifetime Achievement Award. This is what sport does. Uh, it reaches people emotionally. Uh, I, I, I like to, th the purpose behind this thing, of course, is to show Israel around the world uh, on, on a large scale. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of people. In fact, billions of people. Uh, I just came back from the Tour de France and uh, my bicycle team, the Israel Premier Tech team, uh, we, we won a stage uh, and, you know, this was... You know, this, of course, was a history-making uh, victory. But on a, on a day like that, um, two billion people will watch the Tour de France. It's, a, it's an enormous event. Fifteen million people watch it 
on the roadways of France live, uh, live spectators. It's the biggest, uh, most enormously watched uh, live event uh, anywhere in the world. And what I hear when I'm there is fans on the side of the road yelling, our French fans and, and international fans yelling, Israel, Israel, allez, 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 allez. And, and uh, it never fails to, to give me goosebumps. And what I like to say is, I'm, I'm speaking not, I'm speaking to what I call the silent majority of people. Really, the majority of people on the planet who are not interested in politics, who don't want to hear, get a history lesson or a politics lesson as to, you know, the, the purity of our, of our uh, right to exist, uh, our historical um, ties to, to this beautiful country. Um, they're just sports fans. Mm -hmm.